0: Hello beautiful people, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could please follow or subscribe to us on your preferred podcasting platform and leave us a rating or review. Thank you so much and hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome to Unapologetically Asian, the place where we talk about navigating through adulthood as Asian Australians. Today you're joined by Twee, Tiana, Cordell, and Viv.
0: Hello you mighty fine porcupines. (laughs) We hope you're having a great day or night wherever you are in the world. As some of you may know, Twee and I are career driven women who are currently in the early stages of our professional journeys. We've had the pleasure of meeting some boss-ass friends along the way, and we thought it'd be amazing to bring two of these inspiring individuals onto the show to learn about their careers, experiences in navigating the corporate world. Let's give a warm welcome to Cordell Carmody and Vivian Luang.
2: (laughs) to be here. Great to be
1: here.
0: Thank you. Okay, so just to kick us off, we thought that it'd be great for Cordell and Viv to give a bit of a breakdown of their LinkedIn journey. (laughs) Um, So we'll start off with you, Viv. Did you just want to give us a bit of a brief overview of your professional journey thus far?
3: Yeah, so I studied business information systems, and then I was really lucky to get a graduate job at a corporate firm. And I joined about six or seven years ago now, um, I actually joined working in IT at the start so um, and moved across different business units. So I started doing IT project management and then I moved into product management and now I'm currently doing product marketing. So I've been around the, the firm um, and I've met a lot of people and also just learnt a lot. different things.
0: Amazing. Yeah, that's actually how Viv and I uh, know each other because I started off as a grad at our current workplace. And how about you, Cordell?
2: Yeah, so I studied commerce at Melbourne. I did accounting and finance pretty standard. Really enjoyed tax. So I went to EY and started off in people advisory services, focusing on tax. But I found that after about six months, I really actually enjoyed the data side of things and trying to figure out... Mm you know, analytics and all that kind of stuff. So I moved into um, analytics for people advisory services and then analytics in general. And then I realized that I actually don't like doing tech for the sake of tech. I like doing tech for the sake of solving business problems. So then I moved to um, Monitor Deloitte and now I focus on strategy. I'm a strategy consultant.
1: When you first said, I found out like I enjoyed tax, That's the first time I've ever heard someone say that. Wow, someone actually (laughs) enjoying tax. Interesting. (laughs)
2: Look, I don't don't know what it was. I think um, on reflection, I really, really enjoyed it. It was like one of my best subjects. It turned out it wasn't actually the tax component I liked. It was the, to me, it was almost like if this, then that. So it's very like uh, logical Mm. and very structured. Mm. And I really enjoyed that part of it. But then when I actually started doing tax, I realized it's not like that at all. That's just what the subject is like. (laughs) It's just like number Uh, crunching, right? is it? Uh, There's a bit of that. There's a lot of documentation and a lot of like um, reading and keeping up to date and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I try to get that structure. That's why I moved into the current job that I'm in now.
0: So it sounds like you guys have both had really interesting careers and you've had the opportunity to move around a lot and progress, but let's just take us back to the very beginning, right? When you first graduated from uni and you leapt into the corporate world did you guys ever actually experience any type of imposter syndrome like was there ever a moment where you were like to yourself oh shit am i qualified enough for this job i still
3: remember finishing off uni and being in your last year and applying to all those graduate positions and it was so stressful like i remember myself i was freaking out because obviously i think my asian parents are like if you don't get a job next year you're Mm. really like not going to do anything with your life so it was very very stressful (laughs) I think I applied to a handful, like 15, 20 jobs. I managed to get maybe two or three replies and getting to that final stage. And you guys, some of you guys know that so many stages, right? Mm. It's like five, 10 stages just to get through assessment centers. And it's like the Hunger Games. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So I was really, really lucky to get the gig I got today. Um, But I think like I remember starting and that imposter syndrome, I think I still have it today. Like it's still Mm. ongoing. I think people just get better at hiding it basically, Mm -hmm. or even just telling yourself it's more like, yes, you can do it. You wake up every day, have a post on your wall or on your phone (laughs) that says believe in yourself. But I've been talking to some managers and execs at my companies and they still have it too. So it's, yeah. I feel like it should be normalized in a way. I, I think mm, there is sort sure. of a stigma that, Oh no, maybe you're only just starting out and you kind of feel that way, but it's actually um, ongoing and people just don't talk about it.
2: Yeah, look, exact same, exact same. I, I remember finishing uni, applying for lots of jobs and getting rejected. I remember, I remember applying for a company, doing the personality test and then getting an immediate reject after finishing the personality <laughs> test. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I've, I've had lots of those, lots of those. And I, yeah completely agree with the imposter syndrome i think that when you start you don't, you don't really know how to manage it and you feel like you're all alone i remember i distinctly remember sitting down at lunch and looking around at everyone in the team that i was working with and being like man i i, I don't feel like i fit in here I, I don't feel like i talk about the same things as you i don't think i know the things that you guys know i just don't feel like i belong and I, I think that's a very normal feeling agree it doesn't go away i agree that you end up just realizing that it's something you have to manage and that's something you Get better at managing
3: um, but I, I think there's also an element like you think about you know why you got hired in the first place someone said yes and gave you a chance and saw in what they believed in you as well so it's it's sort of like you reflect on that and I reflect back and it's just I'm so grateful now though
1: yeah for sure so um reflecting where you guys are right now what is something that you've learned that you would have loved to know when you first started your career
2: yeah I was I was gonna say one thing that really struck me and I try to tell to as many people as possible is that it's gonna sound ridiculous but this concept of um passion is a little bit overrated and what I mean by that is uh, a lot of people try to jump into their first job and in the first couple of months they think I'm gonna be super passionate about this i'm going to have a massive impact i'm going to change the world all that kind of stuff and you don't realize that to me i think passion is something that you develop over time very easy to set an unrealistic expectation that you'll be passionate about something before you are passionate about it so i i fully would tell myself that hey cordell your first couple of years you're going to be working hard and it's okay not to find a job that you're passionate about immediately because mm. it doesn't develop like that and an unrealistic hurdle
3: I was going to add there, like, I totally resonate with what Codell said, because I obviously moved in so many teams and couldn't find anything I was really, really passionate about until, you know, five, six years down the track. So it does take a lot of time there. And I think it also takes a lot of experimenting into different work mm-hmm. and n- never tell yourself you don't like something if you haven't really tried it as well. So I guess my tip is to really, you know, be open and give everything a go um, and do as best as you can and meet as many people and um, with your connections. Um, I know I really benefited from, from that as well. Um, I joined a lot of diversity and inclusion community groups within our workplace. Mm-hmm. So just meeting people is is what I think I, at the start of my graduate program, actually, I was really, really shy. Like I was that shy kid at the no back way. of the, <laughs> the room with a grad yeah. cohort. So, no way. Yeah. So I think I would go back and tell myself to go, Hey, be a little braver, meet more people and mm. actually push yourself.
1: You know what? Like that's a great segue into our next section. Cause our next question is um, about networking. So Viv, you've just mentioned that, you know, you credit a lot of your progress in your career to the people that you've met. So do you truly believe that, you know, career progression can be assisted by who you know or do you reckon hard work will always prevail or is it a mixture, a combination of both? I think a mixture and a
3: combination of both. I definitely think networking has helped me because it showed me, look, there's actually a lot of other people in the company that are doing a certain different type of role that I might, I might not even know about. So having those networks to reach out to has really benefited me. But also there's a whole element of obviously actually working hard and doing well
0: in your job as well to progress and what about you Cordell do you agree disagree on the fence
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no I I agree I I think um when I when I think about this it's the way you're perceived in your business or your team or whatever group that you're with is like it's a it's a function of the quality of work that you do but also the the way you are perceived in the team so if you Mm -hmm if you do lots of good quality work but you don't interact and you don't socialize and all that kind of stuff it's a little bit of a dampener right but conversely as long as your work meets a certain baseline there's a multiplier effect that can happen if you are really well 100%. regarded in the team as well it's very easy especially for lots of really smart people to go in and think that all the work they do is iq intensive it's all iq problems right but that's not the case you have to mm. understand how you fit in the team you have to be emotionally intelligent as well. And and yeah, you, you have to be completely aggressive. with You need to understand what your pipeline is of all the people that you're meeting. It's, it's important to keep meeting people.
0: I'm getting the sense that Cordell loves his spreadsheets. <laughs> he loves
2: Excel. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Pipelines, yeah. pivot tables.
2: <laughs> Look, I remember my first um, oh god, I remember when I first started working, I didn't know what a uh, pivot table was and someone asked me to make one. I completely freaked out. There's <laughs> yeah, lo- lots of little things like that. Excel can be a bit niggly too.
1: It's a game changer, isn't it? Though, pivot tables. And all those V lookups. Oh. oh, yes. <laughs>
2: Don't get me started.
0: (laughs) And the macros, guys. Have
1: you dabbled in the world of macros?
0: (laughs) We can start a little um, Excel Appreciation Society right here, guys. (laughs) Um, And just on that as well, do you guys have any networking tips that you've picked up over the years that have really helped you, you know, build your network and help? I think another thing that you guys have both mentioned is about personal branding, right? Like that's just as important as the work that you do. do. Have you picked up anything along the way that... Um, you'd like to share with the listeners
2: it's really good to be genuine and it's okay to open up to people once you feel like you can trust them obviously don't open up to someone immediately (laughs) when the first time you meet them but um, I I think knowing when to open up and then opening up to people is really important because you come off as more human and then they open up to Mm. you and you realize that you can have a bit of a partnership and you can you can be friends. You can be friends. And that's, that's important.
3: For me, I think trying to get to know people and actually connect with them, not, not just talking to them when you need something. I find that mm-hmm. a lot of the times yeah. I love reaching out to people and going, hey, like you would message them on the side, right? And they're like, what do you want? And I'm like, I just wanted to <laughs> talk. Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not for anything. But it's really just having genuine conversations and catching up and learning about people and knowing them. So that obviously one day when you do need something, it's easier to to approach, but Mm. it's not always the case that you need something. It's really about making those
2: connections. Be genuine.
1: Be genuine, everyone. Be authentic. Mm. (laughs) Okay, so we're just gonna talk a bit about leadership roles. So you guys have been in your jobs for a while now. Um, Have you ever had experience leading projects or like teams of people? And if so, uh, what sort of tips do you have for being like a good leader in those sort of projects and stuff?
3: So, I think i I mentioned before i 'm really, really passionate about um diversity inclusion, and so mm-hmm. I actually lead a team where we host events and we try to raise topics that might not be talked about that often and In the group, there's probably about fifteen of us and we 're purely volunteers, so we we just run events and we run our community groups um, but one thing i've learnt through that process and leading that team probably for the last two years is that I just need to be approachable and willing to also do the work, but also to let go of the work, which is probably the hardest Mm. thing I think all Mm -hmm, leaders mm -hmm. face. And sometimes I think I've experienced managers who are different on each side. Some of them let go too much and then some of them don't let go and hold on to their work. (laughs) Um, But that's really, really hard to learn, which I think I'm still trying to improve on every day. But also giving the team just the opportunities to lead and really mm-hmm. empowering them
2: Yeah, completely agree There's, there's, there's a massive investment well, Not a massive But there's an investment you need to make When you teach someone something Versus doing it yourself But that's, that's, that's a big thing as well actually Because if you did everything yourself Yeah, sure, you get it done faster this time But what about next time? The time after that It's important to be uh, empathetic as well And know how much someone is able to do And where they're going to struggle also just to mm-hmm. see the, um, the, the the pressure that they have And where, where the pressure points are And where they might need a bit more help And I think that's important as well so that you know when to hop in and conversely on the other side when you are leading a project or when you're leading a team of people it's important to know when to call out that you need help too mm, because, um, yeah. you um you up no one is infallible so yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. wow quote that guys cordell comedy <laughs> 2020 <laughs> no one no one is infallible i love that i'm writing that down guys <laughs> <laughs> um i i just feel like we're in the presence of you know the future Jeff Bezos. Ba- no, not Jeff Bezos. No. He's probably not the best example. <laughs> yeah. Let me think. Who's a better example? Okay. Um,
2: future cool. Cordell.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're in the we're in the presence of uh, the future, future CEOs here because the main things that we got out from that is that to be a good leader, you have to be self-aware. You have to be someone who trusts your team um, and also someone who's very empathetic as well. So those are all really good qualities that I think I can see from you guys right now. You guys have both either moved across companies, moved across industries or business units um, whatever it is whether it's you know a horizontal or vertical move um, you guys have progressed so we're just wondering if you could elaborate a bit about how you prepped yourself for the next stage of your career like when did you kind of know all right it's time to take the next step and then how did you approach it
3: so I moved from IT to pretty much doing product work um, and now into marketing and Mm -hmm. that was actually a huge struggle because I didn't have much experience in product management and I wanted to be in that area I remember looking for about six months and applying to job after job and they're saying sorry you don't have any experience mm. and yeah. we'd rather hire that someone that's obviously a graduate has maybe six months more experience than you so mm. that was really hurtful especially when I've been working in a company for what, three years at the time but I think what helped me was actually reaching out to people currently doing the role so I reckon nothing better than hearing something things from from someone in real life and getting real life examples. Um, but I also looked online for a lot of training material. There's actually tons of podcasts as well that can help in that industry or role. So just reaching out to where you can and getting as much training as you can to prepare yourself for when you do interview for the next role. Yeah.
1: So it seems like the fact that you showed that you're passionate about this, that really shined through. And that's what kind of pushed you over the line to getting the job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually gives me hope because <laughs> I'm always like, oh, I don't have experience in this how can I jump into this other role that yeah like I have no experience with but knowing that people can actually recognize passion like that's really good motivator
3: it's always really hard like I find that obviously when you graduate from your uni you like you have no experience <laughs>
1: and then <laughs> they expect you to have experience so
3: it's kind of like a catch-22 like what, what do I yeah. do here but it is I think you just need that one person right that gives you that chance and see something mm. in you and go I'm happy to teach this person even though they know nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely don't give up. Definitely
0: mm.
3: keep at it and look at things that you can learn in the meantime until you get to that next role. So inspiring, Viv. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my
1: gosh.
2: You, you've completely covered it, Viv. I, yeah, the only thing I was going to say was um, I, I found it really important to... I did a bit of cold contacting, so messaging people on LinkedIn, lots of rejections, lots of like uh, no response, but... I, th- I thought it was important to do because it meant that I could talk to people in the industry and um, try to pick up the lingo, try to understand what they were saying. also read a few books on it and did a lot of uh, case interviews. So when you go into specific areas of consulting, so in strategy consulting, for example, you have to do a couple of cases when you get interviewed. It's important to practice beforehand uh, with lots of different people, lots of different types of problems, just so that you can show that you do know the ropes and you do understand the fundamental skills as well. And I'm pretty sure it took me six months to like from uh, my first thought about, oh, I'm going to get a new job to actually landing the job it took a long time I think people think it's a lot faster than it is normally.
3: And don't fear rejection
0: as well. Yes, <laughs> because absolutely. Because yeah. both of us yeah. have got rejected so many times. I, I know rejection is something that can cause people to be really disheartened, but how do you guys handle rejection? You know, how do you keep motivated to apply for the next role or to try again?
2: It's emotionally exhausting. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I still find it very tiring and very exhausting when you get rejected, but mm-hmm. you maybe you develop a thick skin or maybe it's the fact that you get mm-hmm. more used with it. Each additional rejection doesn't mean as much because you've already had like a gajillion rejections every day. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) but but, um, you have to keep putting yourself out there it gets easier
3: and I think sometimes it's hard to not take it personally you're sort of like what did I do wrong you know (laughs) was it the interview was it what happened like was it my resume is it not good enough I think it's really really hard but one thing I've learned throughout just working is that sort of your time will come when when you're ready as well so Mm. sometimes it's just not the right moment not the right team not the right job and you definitely find your path and you, you will land there one day you just definitely have to keep trying and keep at it, you know, learn from your mistakes
0: and keep applying. So much motivation in the room right now, guys. (laughs) Get out there and
1: get it, guys. (laughs) Get that bread. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, so you guys mentioned jumping around into different roles to build your career. How did you approach those conversations around, like, career development and promotions or pay rises and stuff with your managers if you ever had those sort of conversations with them?
2: It's important to see and recognise what the, like, the rubric is for the job that you're going for important to think about but what's my manager looking for what's the business case for me to get promoted and you know sometimes it's the case that you deliver a certain amount of work or maybe it's that you reach a certain milestone or you have a certain level of skill or whatever it is it's different for every career.
3: Interesting. For me personally it's a lot of about actually that approaching in the conversation a lot of times i find that people can get a bit scared um, to approach but it's sort of the mentality is like if you if you don't ask you don't get mentality mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so definitely have that open conversation with your manager if you're not happy with where you're at you should definitely talk about it because then what's the point of sort of hiding it you're not really going to get anywhere in your career and you're not really benefiting anyone that way. Mm-hmm. So really having that open conversation, if, if there is somewhere you want to get to, is there somewhere you want to achieve, have that conversation with your manager and sort of make a plan on it as well mm-hmm. and make yourself accountable on that plan. Definitely hard to raise it with your manager though. You know, it took me years to sort of get there because I always felt like I, for me personally, I there's a lot of self-doubt and that imposter syndrome talk that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's always hard to raise that that conversation with your manager but I think you really just have to believe in yourself and that no one's going to benefit with you just not not talking about
2: it yeah I actually I remember talking to my first manager about changing roles because I wanted to go into a different role and I remember I was in the room with him and he he chuckled <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and I uh, I realized now that I approached it completely wrong and it ended up taking like oh almost a year to fully lock down the move from you know one team to the next team just because I didn't approach it properly. So it's mm. uh, important to realize when you should approach to and not to go shooting from the hip.
0: <laughs> okay, so up until this point, we've really learned a lot about how you guys have started your career and then also about how you've really learned and grown and developed over time and how to approach you know this career progression conversations and maybe in Cordell's case how not to approach <laughs> some of these conversations. So now we really want to take it back to your cultural upbringings and your childhood and how that has had an impact on how you are in the workplace. Um, so perhaps if you guys could you know talk to us about what your cultural backgrounds are, and if that had any particular influence about how you both operate within your jobs today.
1: And then also, I wanted to tack on on top of that, is your workplace culturally culturally diverse as well, to give a bit of context on where you work?
3: I am from Hong Kong. I was born in Hong Kong, and then I moved here when I was about five years old. For me, like, I remember being taught very young to just not talk back. Like, that's just not a thing in my household. (laughs) We're very conservative (laughs) Asian family. So when I started my career, I was... Obviously, like I said, very shy and just didn't really question anything and kind of just head down, get the work done because that's mm. what I was taught and what I grew up with. And I think it is still kind of in me because I think when you're brought up like that, you just it just kind of sticks and mm. find it a huge struggle to just be able to go, hey, you know, call out things that's not right, question things as well. Mm. Um, And it took a long time to get there because the Australian culture is obviously very different to what my parents grew up in, right? And the workplace as well, like workplace in Asia versus like in Australia is completely different. Mm. The culture is very different as well. So it's just about learning to grow individually and learning how to use my voice. I think my company, it's getting a bit more diverse. Um, They're trying to put in a lot of KPIs to, to improve in terms of culture as well as gender diversity and depends on what area you're in as well when I started in IT I'm pretty sure I was only like two or three females in like a group of like 20 so Mm. um, that was completely different Um, but now in marketing it's kind of like the opposite so Mm. I've I've (laughs) experienced both so definitely yeah it's getting more and more diverse but I definitely think there's so much we can do in that area and sometimes people aren't aware of it as well so making people aware and obviously in the hiring process they're starting to hire a bit more um, diverse people as well.
2: Uh, yeah I'm half Vietnam, half Australian so I, I grew up in an Asian household as well and the biggest thing was that I didn't feel comfortable talking up to people higher than me and as a yep. grad you think everyone's higher than you're right and mm. then I, I just, oh my God, it was <laughs> oh such my a God, big thing yes. <laughs> and I, I just remember seeing other, other grads being able to talk back straight away or Being really confident talking to a client or saying X, Y, Z and really being able to back themselves against um, people that were substantially more senior to them. And it's completely contradicted what i had been taught about not speaking back. (laughs) Absolutely, whatever the boss says is right. And it it took so long to try to get out of it. I'm still not completely out of it, but it's, it's one of the biggest hurdles growing up in an Asian household is that it's very likely that you don't know how to talk back the same way that might be expected of you. So with my team, when, when I think about it, we're, we're diverse in race, and we're diverse in background. So there's a lot of people that have come from, like, doctors, engineers, a lot of different Ooh, things. Wow. It's all about diversity of ideas, but gender diversity is, it's something that we're working on.
3: And I don't know if it's something that everybody else faces, but I found that there's not many I guess, Asian-Australian leaders to look up to, um, mm. whether that's in your own company or or just in Australia in general. I just find that there there isn't as many and maybe it's sort of I know, in, you know, Asian-American obviously in movies and everything is starting to be a bit more popular as well and I would love to see in the next 5-10 years a lot more Asian-Australians taking that path and, and being leaders and it's just great example for sort of the next generation
0: yeah for sure it's that whole idea of role modeling right it's like yeah it's not even a conscious thing or conscious thought when you have a look at the leadership team you kind of think to yourself well if I can see a part of myself in that leader like for an example if it's someone who's Asian Australian then you're kind of like oh maybe it's possible for me to work towards that position but then I think a lot of the times if we don't see that then there's this thought in our head that's like oh well if I can't see someone that resembles me then perhaps you know only a certain person can get to the top and that can kind of be a bit damaging hey with the way that we think or the way that we work
1: it all ties into the whole idea of a bamboo ceiling don't you guys reckon the yeah. idea that you yeah. know it's hard for asians to progress to senior levels because of you know our upbringing and the way that we behave and stuff that kind of hinders our growth Society is built to benefit people who are really outspoken and, you know, talk a lot and are comfortable with behaving that way. Whereas in Asian society, it's like, yeah, don't disrespect your elders. Don't talk back. You'll get backhanded. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like you don't get promotions based on those behaviors. You get promotions based on how much you speak up in the boardroom and things like that. So
2: It's a different rubric. Mm,
1: yes. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to put it. This
2: is what I mean by being just good at your work isn't mm, enough
1: yes you, that's true. I, I
2: don't want to say there's a hard bamboo ceiling that oh no there's, there's some guy up there that's like oh, all right what, what's this person's last name not they're not getting up <laughs> 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 nothing like that but it's the fact of the matter is there's certain characteristics that people seem to correlate or seem to think relate to leadership and a number of those qualities are something that you have to work on and it might not be developed as as thoroughly in your upbringing
1: you have to kind of like unlearn these inherent behaviors that you have Mm, being from a certain
2: type of household also has other advantages too like maybe you understand the value of hard work maybe you um, you can empathize with certain people better it's important to appreciate that there are pros and cons to you know everyone's situation
0: just a cheeky plug here guys we've recorded an episode episode 15 i believe that is all about the bamboo ceiling so if you found this part of the conversation interesting go check out that episode (laughs) yeah but I love that the way that you guys also brought up the pros behind being growing up in Asian household because I think a lot of the time there is a huge spotlight on the negatives which obviously it's important to look at both and have that balanced view but yeah also definitely appreciating growing up in Asian household what that has taught us and also just to tie off I guess our questions relating to your careers and building your careers before we move on to our random fun section Um, what is the best thing about your current job
2: the good thing about my job is also it's a double-edged sword it's good because you end up going from client to client you go from problem to problem and you you do all sorts of different things right and that's good because the skills you develop are a lot more um generalist and they're a lot more foundational so you can apply them in a lot of different situations right but the the con is that you end up going from problem to problem and team to team, squad to squad more often. And there's a there's definitely a sense of loneliness or not belonging or not understanding that happens all the time.
3: Mine is the people I meet. So obviously I met Tiana
2: <laughs> through
0: work as well. Oh, what but a great, great pro, guys.
3: <laughs> I've just met some of my closest friends through work as well. So not just... Um obviously colleagues who are so awesome and helpful and so nice to approach, but even yeah, friends that become like lifelong even mm. after they've left the company or moved overseas and are doing something else. So yeah, I'm just really glad for the for the people
2: as
0: <laughs> funny as that sounds. People are
2: important. <laughs> the people you work with are super important. Yeah.
0: Wholesome vibes only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we've had a wholesome moment. We've spoken about the highs of your job, but let's get a bit more juicy. Do you guys have any corporate horror stories or any embarrassing stories to share that you've encountered during your career? Um, Just to give an example, Tui, you've got one. No, I'm (laughs) trying to throw me
1: on the bus like this. (laughs) No, uh, it's not a massive one. But one time I accidentally replied all to a nationwide email. It was like um, an email about taking a test. And instead of replying directly to the HR person who sent it out, I did a reply all. And I was like, yes, I'm totally down to take this test, pretty much is what I said in the email. And then as I sent it off, you could hear people like around the office saying, Twitter you're fucked up. <laughs> <"Twee>, <laughs> what's going on? Okay, glad you can take the test. And i got so many other people like replying back saying, oh, I'm glad you're taking this test. It just became like a fucking meme for like the remainder of the day. But yeah, that was really embarrassing. And I'm sure there's like a recall tool, like a recall email tool on Outlook that I could totally use, but... I was like, man, I'm in too deep right now. Fuck it. I'm going to just let the whole all of Australia know that I am taking this <laughs> test. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any horror stories?
3: Mine is, I guess... <laughs> A bit of an interesting one, not actually about work itself. I was waiting for the lift and I was going downstairs to meet a friend to have a coffee or I'd have a coffee catch up. And as I was going down, I was waiting for the lift. A guy just – I don't know who he was. He was someone that was sitting on the same level as me, probably from another team. He approached me and he tapped me and he goes, hey, excuse me. And I was just sort of like, why? Like it's really weird to have <laughs> someone just randomly say it. Goes, and I was like, I turned back and he's like, excuse me, and he pointed to my skirt. And then I looked down. <gasps> And my skirt, like the zip had broken and you could just see my underwear. Like there was a hole. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. And so I ran to the bathroom and you know how you when a zip's broken, you're just constantly trying to zip it up and down to see if it works, but it's completely broken, like one side was just not like it was just dead. So then I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, how do I cover this? Because it's so big and it was like on the side and I was late for my, my catch up. So I actually called my friend and go, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a bit more late, but I've actually got a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> so I've got to run to the shop. So I ended up taking the lift and went downstairs, but I literally had that awkward like trying to cover yourself (laughs) They're trying to like I try to have a jacket like it's so awkward but luckily I went and bought some pants but um Mm. that was really embarrassing because I wouldn't know what to do if I was actually like in the office and everybody had saw and I didn't know for the whole day it's
1: very Very polite of him to point it out
0: (laughs) I'm also one of those people that if I see someone with a booger in their nose or you know I will be like hey you might need a tissue. You know what I mean? Because the worst thing, the worst is when you go home and you look in the mirror and you've got something stuck between your teeth or like boogers up your nose and you're like, damn, I've been smiling to so many people all day and no one bothered to tell me. Cordell, do you have any any funny, interesting stories?
2: I do. I've got a, I've got a really intense one, actually. Ooh. A, well, <laughs> it's, really it's really interesting. Okay, so... I was on this project and it was a very, very, very intense project, probably one of the worst projects or most difficult projects we have ever done I Was working monster hours. And I had to present to this guy, this like head of, you know, the first presentation goes okay. He's very standoffish and stuff, but it is what it is. And I just go back and I continue working, working like past midnight, every single night type of thing. Very, very intensely. Right. And then on the day of the presentation, I get to the presentation and at the allotted time and he's not there. He's not. He's not in the room. He's not in the office. No one's seen him. And I'm just like, man, I just slaved away on this project for this long, and this guy doesn't even like cancel the meeting or like reschedule it or anything. What's what's going on? Like, how can he just not appear? The temerity of this guy, right? But then I found out afterwards from a friend that um, he'd actually been arrested that day.
0: <laughs> because he, um, wow. yeah, he got caught what?
2: embezzling two mil yeah so he um he got arrested that day that I was going to present and that's why I never did that was pretty big news in the office for a bit like well Cordell like did this presentation and the guy didn't show up But <laughs> yeah.
1: casually got arrested <laughs>
2: yeah, casually got oh arrested like, gosh.
1: A daily occurrence
2: <laughs> I was working so late at night one of those nights that um the place I was working closed and the security left and I had to jump a fence to get home
0: oh my god! yeah
2: yeah yeah, it was it was was, uh it was intense but that's my uh horror story obviously i've sent like stupid emails and stuff too but that that was one that i thought was pretty big
0: and so what happened to this guy is he
1: is he in jail
2: he didn't go to his first court appearance i don't know if he went to his second one or not
1: (laughs) it turns out he got arrested at another place for also embezzling another two (laughs) million (laughs) dollars that's why he didn't rock up to his first hearing
2: (laughs) No idea.
1: So yeah, just to tie us off, um, we just thought we
0: would ask you one last question and that is, what's been the highlight of your career thus far?
3: There's so many, but recently um, my company CEO actually reposted a post I put on LinkedIn. So that was pretty exciting and I reckon it made my day and my week. So (laughs) everybody was like, oh my God, he reposted. Like he shared it, he liked mine and he commented on mine. And I just can't believe like, I thought he doesn't really engage in LinkedIn that much, but mm. apparently
0: not. Like it's yeah, it is crazy. All my friends were just like, "Oh my god!" You guys are on yeah. a nickname basis, you know? Yeah, you yeah. call him call like him your Viv, a- little Viv. Yeah, we'll be call you Viv. Call, you call him like a dog.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cordell's just got so many.
2: No, no, no. I'm just trying. I'm trying to think of what. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with someone that I used to work with, like years and years ago and we're just talking about like how to solve this problem that we're hypothesizing about for like a small business or something right and I I just felt so um, different in the way that I approached it and like actually tried to solve it and it it made me realize that like you can learn a lot more than you realize like you you don't notice because you're just doing it day in day out right but then when you compare yourself to what you might have said a couple years ago you realize oh no there's actually a lot of a lot of progress here there's a lot of um development yeah i, I don't know it's, it's something a bit more general but i i thought it was um a good reflection i had a couple of weeks ago
0: Oh, and what a wholesome way to wrap up. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for being so open um, with your career journeys. We have learned so, so much. And I'm sure everyone at home that's listening have also taken away some golden nuggets of advice from Cordell and Viv. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode.
1: Yeah, thank you, guys. You guys are, like, so amazing. Um, what's it called? Before we move on to recommendations... Uh, we thought we'd give you guys the floor a little bit to shout out any projects you're working on or perhaps even like any social medias that you're on, like Insta handles, LinkedIn, go for it. Well,
3: people can find me on Instagram. So my handle is at storebeviv so it's s-t-a-w-b-e-v-i-v so I do a lot of baking I think <laughs> during yeah. this isolation period <laughs> but I'm um, also have um just sort of edited some of my travel videos I finally have the time now to do it so um I've put links and stuff on there on my um Instagram that links to YouTube
1: as well so yeah feel free to check those out mm. we'll check the handles and all of those links in the show notes as well so keep an eye out for that And yourself, Cordell?
0: Um, Feel
2: free to add me on LinkedIn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God, guys. Cordell does not have any
0: social media uh, (laughs) or not that I know of. So we have to hit him up on LinkedIn. (laughs) All right. So now we're moving on to recommendation time. So this is the segment where we talk all about any movies, TV shows, music or random shit recommendations that we have that has been keeping us sane, especially during isolation uh so we'll start off with our guests viv did you what are you recommending for us this week so recently i actually finished my paint by numbers after oh, two
3: yes. and a half months <laughs> like it's crazy so i really recommend anyone and everyone to do it because it just zones out like i i think i did it every weekend so it took me quite a while but i like to sort of pace myself i've got a painting now of its sort of waves crashing um and my parents like were saying that they can probably frame it and put it in the bathroom because that's when you think about the water <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't done it yet but um it's yeah it's fun activity to do during this time as well and what about
0: you cordell what do you recommend
2: uh okay I've got, I've got two things so one thing that i've really enjoyed listening to is uh Reply All, the Reply All podcast It's um, absolutely amazing, I, I think the storytelling Is like top-notch, I really enjoy it In terms of reading uh, I really enjoyed reading about Stoicism and I think For example, like, oh, The Obstacle is the Way is a, is a great introduction to it and I, I really enjoyed that book and I'd recommend it All the time So it's yeah.
1: like a philosophy sort of book, right?
2: Yeah, sort of, but it, it's, not, um, it's not like a thinking Wishy-washy kind of philosophy It's more like a, an operating system For how, how you can live your life it's especially good around a time like this, right? When you find it a little bit hard to drive yourself. Um, it's really approachable.
1: And Tui, what about you? What are you recommending this week? Thanks, Siana. Um, so this week I'm recommending a watercolor set, and it's by Kuretake and it's the gansai Tambi set. And it's a palette of 36 different colors and the payoff of this pigment is just fucking on another level. Like if you're into art, I highly recommend you go for it, especially if you really haven't really dabbled in the world of watercolor. It's an awesome gateway to get into it. Um... I've read reviews and watched the reviews and everything and apparently it's on par with other high-end brands like Windsor Newton and all that. So, considering that I only got it for like around $52 on off Amazon, it's a fucking bargain cuz other brands, other watercolor brands can be very expensive. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Um it's fucking beautiful. The palette is just stunning when it's laid out like all 36 pants like that. And the box is very aesthetically pleasing. So <laughs> uh yeah, highly recommend it. And last but not least, Tiana, what is your recommendation? Okay guys, I have a game changer. Um <laughs> I
0: actually for my birthday I got a gift from my beautiful family and it is a standing desk and holy shit (laughs) it's it's honestly I know this sounds so nerdy or whatever but it is like my favorite item in my room right now It's, it's an electric one so you can plug it in and press buttons on the side and it you know moves up and down and it's a desk that you mount on top of your normal desk but holy shit it's amazing and I love it because I'm constantly sitting down pretty much all day and unless you know we have a break go for a walk and stuff like that but sometimes I forget to do that so having the opportunity to actually just stand up for a bit um, has been really useful and yeah I love it so much. Um, I'm pretty sure my family got it off catch of the day if I can find the link. I shall mm-hmm. link it for you guys. Get onto it. because get awesome. some of this affiliate marketing going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> <laughs> not paying us. Not sponsored, but cash of the day. Reach out if you'd like. <laughs> uh, doors always open. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, you guys, again, for joining us on this episode. We've had so much fun mm-hmm. uh, chatting to you guys and also getting to know you guys a lot better. And also thank you to you guys at home for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox or Google Podcasts. So be sure to um, follow, subscribe if you liked what you heard.
1: Mm -hmm. And we're also on social media as well, mainly Instagram. So if you'd like to check us out, you can find us at unapologetically. A-Z-N. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening in. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. (laughs)